afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to the newest episode of thepenpodcast.com. I'm your host, Matthew Harms, founder of Pen for Hire, where we offer premier ghostwriting and author coaching services. Also the creators of the Pen Podcast, where we sit with authors, writers, writing industry professionals, subject matter experts, and all around interesting people. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by best-selling author, Ed Wallace. How are you today, Ed? Great to see you, Matt. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. Thank you. Appreciate you taking the time out to chat with us today. Where are you joining us from? Right outside of Philadelphia. Oh, okay. So uh, near King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, which is a gigantic shopping mall. That's what most people know it for, but it's actually a pretty significant business corridor and our offices are, are nestled right in there. Fantastic. I was actually up in the Northeastern Pennsylvania yesterday. Which, which, uh, which area? Uh, Pocono Mountains, Holly, Honesdale. I was almost in that, that exact town over the weekend for a wedding. Oh, wow. So how about that? Small world. <laughs> so please, if you'd be so kind, tell everyone a little bit about yourself, how long you've been writing. Um, let's go from there. Well, I'm a CPA by education, and I've been recovering for the last 40 years. So that's my opening grab the audience joke, Matt, and you at least chuckled. I'm not sure if anybody streaming got that joke. I mean, hopefully they did, because I actually joke with people that I'm a recovering banker. Oh, I saw that on your profile. Yeah. So, (laughs) well, there's always other avenues. So I switched into sales and I struggled at sales early on and uh, ran into a, ran to a, ca- a cab driver named Max. And Max drove a London taxi around the Philadelphia area. So I was getting picked up once a week in a London cab, going to the airport, traveling to my sales territory. Long story short, Max became this incredible mentor on how to treat people, how to sell, how to help people buy rather than selling. And I stored all these Max stories for years And then in 2005, my youngest son, who's now 25 and working in my business, he fell off a skateboard and he got medevac to the children's hospital with my wife, Laurie. He's fine. And, you know, that was kind of one of those cathartic moments where, hey, I want to write books and start a sales training company. So I literally left my uh, VP of sales position at a tech company here that I was there for about 20 years and just started writing books. And, uh, I had no skills. I never wrote more than a business plan. You can notice our CFO make doing deals behind me there. So hope you don't mind seeing him. It's a it's a real office I'm in. Anyway, you don't see many of those these days, by the way. That's a real office. That's not a fake background. <clears throat> anyway, so and he, and the recording sign is on my door, so he should know better. A- anyway, so I hired a student from Villanova to read a book about writing the breakthrough business book. And I I hired her to create an outline for me so I could actually write the breakthrough business book. And I did not write the breakthrough business book, but I wrote about a hundred page book on my stories with this cab driver, Max, a sales training author, Mike Bosworth, who is invented solution selling, uh, who I had known from my sales days said, you know, you really should move this into the sales genre. So then I did a small book with him and then a real publisher picked me up, Greenleaf uh, Book Group. And we did a book called Business Relationships That Last that really set us into the mainstream of sales training. Uh, Our platform is business relationships and how to help people 
launch, advance, and measure their, the strength of their business relationships. So not too many companies, if any, really do that. So we have a nice niche from a, a, a business perspective. And then I wound up writing another book for leadership called The Relationship Engine. In all four of those cases, I had I did not have a ghostwriter like the services that Pen for Hire that you all offer, which I think are phenomenal. I did have a friend who was a business writer who helped me with the grammar, helped me with structure, all the things that I know you help your clients with. And I couldn't have done it without him. I, I really wanted it to try to write the books myself and I had time to do it. Looking back, I may have rather hired a ghostwriter. I would have been done a lot sooner, but uh, that's my story. That's why I'm here. I love it. Um, I mean, you said a couple things that I, that I want to pick out, but to the last point first, how long did it take you roughly per book? Because I know there are, you see ads out there of, oh, write your book in 30 days. And I always like put my, yeah. oh, if you can write a book in 30 days, I mean, I'm not saying it can't be done, but right, right. not the norm. Well, the first book, which was, I always call it the comic book. The comic book took about nine months and I had the same business writer friend help me with all four books. And when I said to him, hey, we got to get this book done in six months, he said, are you kidding? I said, well, I'm trying to start a business here. I can't wait for those and us. I got to." And sure enough, we got it done in nine months because we approached it like a business project. Uh, when we worked with Greenleaf, we worked with uh, Harper. They, they provided us some assistance, professional editors, those kind of things. And each of those books still took about a year. And, and that's a year of, as you know, hours on your own time in the evenings, waking up in the early in the morning. So I always estimate, Matt, that it's probably a good thousand hours of time if you're going to really do, if you're going to do it yourself. I don't know what, where does that come in, in, in your experience? You know, I've never, and I probably should. So I have like more of an idea of job costing, but I usually look at it for most clients. We're shooting at about six months. Yep. But again, that's only because having, I think now we've done over 16 different titles in all different right. industries. So we kind of have all of the kinks working out in the process of develop the outline, develop the strategy, and then go to work. Sure. Also, it probably takes me a lot less time to write someone else's book than it did any of my own three books. Right. Because right, yeah. no one's paying me to write my own books. You don't have bias, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I, no one's paying me and you always question, like, is there any value in what I'm doing? And right. you have to tell yourself, like, well, people are paying me to do this. Like, there's probably some value in my own stuff. <laughs> that carpenter who, the carpenter who doesn't uh, have nice woodwork in his house. Same thing, right? Yep. The shoemaker with holes in his shoes. Exactly. Same thing. But when you're kind of like on, on that same vein, what was interesting to me is, you never know where you're going to find advice or inspiration in life. Most people would sit here and say, you, you got your ideas from a cab driver. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the opposite. I think that's incredible, right? Most people don't pay their cab driver any mind. I rode with Max for four years. He at the time had no idea he was inspiring me, but the, what I learned was whatever it is we're doing in life, it doesn't have to be writing a book. It could be raising our family. It could be making friends. It could be our relationships. You got to take the first step. And I remember in the first time I rode with him, I had set up a schedule. I'd leave on Tuesday, come back Thursday. And when I tried to reschedule after he dropped me off the first time, 
I said, I'll see you next Tuesday. And he said, I, I can't take you next Tuesday. And I said, well, you know, did I say something wrong? He said, no, no. He goes, I have a lot of fares. I have a lot of friends. And they normally have to wait a few weeks until I can work them into my rotation. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, this is a, this is a commodity right to the airport rotation. And um, he wound up scheduling me on a Thursday and I took it. And I, if, I, I always say to audiences when I do keynotes, what if I didn't take that appointment? What if I had an ego, I'm the customer. And what if I didn't, wasn't like, I wouldn't have a business today, wouldn't have books today, wouldn't be on this podcast today. So sometimes we have to just take that step. Absolutely. And clearly Max is Max was doing something right with the relationship building. If he yeah. had people like you who are willing to do that. Yep. Yeah. I, he was amazing at it. And he, what made him so great at it was he asked really good, uh, you asked very good questions. He asked great questions. And we always say in building a relationship, questions make you believable, not talking about yourself, but you know, like you said, Ed, tell, I always, I, I roll right into it, but it's awkward for me to tell my story, right? So I always tell the story through the stories. And he was great at asking salespeople, sales questions, executives, executive questions, kids questions about Lego, grandparents questions about grandkids. He was able to align his dialogue with his audience. I love that you just said that because I'm going to boil it down to the word relatable. And I think that's probably one of the most important things in writing as well, is you have to know who your audience is, who you're writing to and speak at that level so that they can say, oh my goodness, that Ed really knows what he's talking about, or that speaks to me in a way where they want to do something. They want to recommend the book to their friends or possibly call your company and say, hey, how do we work with you? And that was the thing that I get authors reaching out to me all the time now, like, I don't know. And I send them that outline from 17 years ago. And I ask them, okay, when you, when I, when I leave reading your book, what are the three things that I'm going to feel I learned or that are going to provoke me? And uh, like, I have a professional baseball pitcher right now wanting to become a keynote speaker. And, and I, I don't, we don't coach this for a living, but we attract these kind of questions from people in the world. The guy was a pro pitcher for the Braves. And he said, I want to be a keynote speaker. And he started talking about teams and all this. I said, send me an email with the three takeaways people are going to take from one of your keynote speeches because, and I, I it was fun because I took a shot at a six, five guy who threw 97 miles an hour. I said, you know, what's going to make you different than every other jock that played pro sports that had, that wants to t give a speech and get paid for it. And he was like this. I said, no, seriously, what's going to, I do the same thing with CEOs. Every CEO wants to write a book, but it's all about them. Right. I said, well, there's so many books about, C I said, you know, you're not that CEO that everybody wants to read about you. What, what's going to be unique in your story. And uh, that's why, you know, most of the books I write, I'm telling stories about other people. I just get to go along for the ride. I love that. Thank you for listening to the penpodcast.com produced by Pen for Hire. There's a saying, don't judge a book by its cover, but that was never meant to actually apply to books.
Unfortunately, readers are naturally inclined to books with covers and titles that catch their attention. Don't let your masterpiece go on read because of a poorly designed cover. A great book cover doesn't have to break your budget either. Visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get a free consultation today. And now back to the interview. Yeah, no one, people pick up books to solve problems, but no one wants to be told what to do or how great the person who's giving the advice is. You know, it's interesting. You know, we have all kinds of ways to communicate nowadays and I'm a little older, so I'm working really hard at saying things the right way. And my kids who are all adults now, they never want to be told you need to, you should do this. You have to, even when they were younger. Well, business people don't want that either, right? And I was told the other day that my phrase, would you consider was not necessarily an appropriate phrase. So I'm really struggling, Matt, with <laughs> everybody's got some reason for different things and, and not to dive too into that. So I think when we're, what's my point, when we're writing, we have to make sure we, we recognize the different generations of people who might pick up our book and we have to be sensitive and I shouldn't use sensitive. We have to be aware that everyone interprets things differently today and that we want to make sure can't please everybody, but that we, we are writing and telling our stories in a way that people can, Hey, you know what? I can accept this. And this is not inflammatory or anything like that. Well, yeah, I mean, no, no book, no anything in life is for everybody, right? So by pure virtue of the fact that people are very different, you're never going to be able to please all of the people, but you right. don't want it to be such a thing where there are going to be people who absolutely are going to be incensed by it. You don't want like 90 things on Amazon about how this guy's this and he doesn't understand the world today and all that. At the same time, I think... We, we want to focus on a genre. So our genre was salespeople and it was, it was business to business salespeople. It wasn't even retail salespeople and it was business to business salespeople with a complex sale. So we really, you know, drove it down to, and it's been, it's worked out really well because they, if you find the right market or the right vein, people will, We'll read it and they'll say, Hey, you know what? I remember, you remember in chapter seven, you said this, I'm like, no, but refresh my memory about it in our leadership book, the relationship engine, same thing. We, we start talking about relational leaders and that anybody can be a relational leader. So we didn't write for management. We didn't write for high potentials. We wrote for the receptionist. Uh, we wrote for the people on the loading dock. We wrote for anybody who wants to be, a, who, you know, there are natural leaders who just don't have a position of hierarchy in, in businesses. That doesn't mean they're not leaders. So that book was all about, I talked in there about a, a guy who started an animal shelter. I talk about a guy who runs a driving range that's wildly successful. I talk about some corporate people. So anybody can be a relational leader. And that, that's, uh, so that we went a little wider with that one. And I have to know, this is one of my favorite questions for business geared authors. How much of a difference has the, or have the books made for you in your business? 
oh my gosh, all the difference. We would just be another uh, sales training company when a book gets into the hands of someone who's interested in us and it's signed, it's a whole different credibility perspective. And, you know, in your business, you know, when you're helping authors, you're at, you know, again, depends on what genre you're writing for, but from a business standpoint, that book is gold. We've probably sold 50,000 books, not, not a crazy number. We probably have 150,000 in circulation just from training where the book is part of the deal. Well, guess what? That book gets handed to someone else at that company, or that book gets handed to a relative who's in sales. So the book is the most amazing builder of credibility I've ever seen. And we call it our $10 business card because it costs us $10 to buy our own books from the publisher. And, you know, you think about it, you get a book in the mail signed by the author uh, who's a subject matter expert, who's a thought leader. It, it, has a, it has a lasting effect. Even if they're not ready for you, somebody goes, hey, you're the guy that talks about that cab driver, right? You see them at a conference or something. So, yeah, it, it, it's been very effective. I love that you said $10 business card. Um, mm -hmm. That it, Books are the new business card. I, I tell this to everybody. And much like you said, you send it signs. Here's what usually happens. People do not throw a book out. I don't care who you are. I've, I've never, I'll move them around from one place to another. And, you know, people send me books all the time. I don't throw yep. them out. So that CEO may not read it today, may not even open the cover today, but they're not going to throw it out. Right. Eventually they may call you or they're going to hand it to someone in their office who's going to say, wait, did you even look at this? Like this guy, Ed's got a lot of good stuff to say. Right. Yeah, you're right. They, and the distinguished maxtro of this London taxi, right? That was a distinctive package. When you're competing with another firm and a book gets in, comes in the mail versus just a website or a link, and then you back it up with videos and all the other all those other things, you put a pretty you know compelling case forward, and then you always get those people who say, "Geez, I always wanted to write a book. How do I do it?" Right? I'm like, "Do you have a thousand hours, or do you want to know Matt Harms?" I you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, at the end of the day, any call is a good call, right? Whether they want right. to ask you about writing, now they're in your universe. They like you. Yeah, it's interesting. We, uh, so like any company, we need to sell and we need to market. And we've worked with, I don't know, four or 500 different companies now. So we have a pretty broad base of, of visibility. But we still outreach through an inside sales process that connects with the right sales leader and suggests that, you know, why don't you get on a call with Ed or one of our other thought leaders here in my practice, learn about, hear about what he's hearing in the marketplace, no sales pitch. And by the way, you're going to get a free book out of it. They almost take every call. They almost take every call. And by the way, for your uh, friends who will do this, your clients and, and listeners, if you use media mail, it's like three bucks to mail the book and it gets there a couple of days later. So I've never had one come back. So, you know, so, so it's about a $13 and again, a paperback might cost even less to send out. I'm just going on our hard bounds yeah. where they cost me. So anyway, I mean, honestly, if you think about some of the, uh, the this is where a lot of people can be penny wise and pound foolish. If you think about some of the other costs of advertising, 
right? Oh. If you're if you're running Google ads, I mean, per click, depending on your industry, you could be paying more than the fifteen dollars that it's costing me to send your book out. Yes, we went through all of that. We went through all of that, and we realized that in a consulting business, it's a high contact sport, and the only way you're going to extend your brand is conversation after conversation after conversation. And if you can have, you know, 300 conversations a year, there's probably somebody in there that's going to spend some money with you or introduce you to some group that you can speak in front of or, or whatever. But I have consulting friends who want business to just come to them because they're so brilliant and they don't want to get on calls with, they want, they want an engagement letter prepared for them by their client, prospective clients. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> they want prepayment right, for services yeah, before you get anything. Nothing yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> that is funny. Thank you for listening to the Pen Podcast, produced by Pen for Hire. Have you ever wished the people in your life would give you honest, useful criticism on your work? Advice and insight to help improve the narrative instead of just saying it's good? Well, our team at Pen for Hire specializes in developmental editing. So no matter where you are in the writing process, we can help you take it to the next level. Visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get a free consultation today. And now back to the interview. And, you know, we're joking about it, but it's kind of scary that some things that should be so obvious, people overlook and are making the same mistakes over and over again. Well, I think part of it is I was lucky because I was trained in sales and I was, I really had a great background in that, all the different methodologies I was trained in, all the, you know, this is how you engage with people. So I was, I was fortunate, you know, other people I know who are, you know, trying to start consulting businesses, write books they the book is the whole event and then oh my gosh how am i going to make money so they need parallel they need i'd suggest they have parallel plans where they're thinking okay i'm doing all this work but when the book is sitting when i have a box of these sitting in my office or they're out on amazon or wherever they might be what am i going to do with them what's my go-to-market strategy and how am i going to use these who am i actually going to reach out to with these books because unless you're some historic figure, it's difficult to make a lot of money on books. I'm sure you, you share that with your clients. When I was growing up, I, wanted, I always wanted to be a writer. And my parents told me it's not a real job. You have to go to college and get a degree. So I studied finance, spent 15 years in banking and financial services, hence the recovering banker. And when I started putting out my own books in 17 and 18, I... For a minute, I was like, shit, they were right. I'm not making any money off of this. But then I realized that there, there isn't a whole lot of money in book sales, unless your last name is Cynic or King or Patterson. Yes. But oh. is if you know why you're doing it, mm -hmm. right? As someone who writes books for others, I needed to prove that I could write books. So yes, yes, I've written three books. Here you that go. That's your credibility, right? That's my credibility. I mean, you yep. can't say I can write your book if I've never written something. And now it's, you know, it's a fairly decent, living for me but mm -hmm. i tell every client up front if your goal is to sell a million copies like i'm i'm not the guy for you because i right. build business strategies right exactly right. exactly there there needs to be a strategy behind it 
you know, believe it or not, I read a book that it's been around forever. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Love that book. And I, and I, and I was never really one for the personal development books that were not, that were more motivational. I was more for the, the sales methodology books and spy books, right? Those are what I like to read. But I read that book and he asked some great questions in there, Kawasaki. He asks, am I saying his name right? Yeah. Kawasaki, I forget Robert how. Kawasaki. Kawasaki, right? He, um, he asks, okay, what's the purpose of your book? And then he also asks, what's the purpose of, are you going to have a practice where you're one person or, or are you going to be a, are you going to open a business where you're going to have multiple people, employees? Those are key questions. And then once, once you get through those questions, then a lot of things kind of fall in order. And I decided I wanted a business, not just a solopreneurship. And I, he talks about ways to monetize and books was one, but he cautions that, you know, if you're looking at the book, it, it's not like he monetized the books, right? But most people don't really monetize the book. And it, it's really, what's that book going to say about you in the world? And if you can break even on the book, you did great. You did great, is especially because it's probably generating ten times that in consulting dollars for your training dollars or speaking fees or whatever. Absolutely, one of the questions I ask people when they can't quite get their head around that concept is, "What's the lifetime value to you of one new client?" Right. Right. So if this book gets you one new consulting client yep. and you charge X dollars per month, and your normal clients with you for X number of months. Yep. What is that dollar amount? And the light bulb goes off like, oh, I never thought about it like that. Well, you know, my, my example is the third book, which was the first professionally published book by Greenleaf Business Relationships at Last. It got us into Dow Chemical in 2009. The PO gets bigger every year. I was just going to say, you know, Dow Chemical, just a, a small little Fortune 100 company. Yeah, a little, 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 little $70, $80 billion company. And, but every year the PO is guaranteed and it comes in in December and it helps us pay bills in most of the next year. And, uh, and, and, and they're like my friends there now. I mean, they're, they're my friends, you know, right? We visit, we go out to dinner, but that one, that book was the book that we handed to the right person at Dow. And that, again, they're on the board every year when we start forecasting for the following year. So. That's alone that book has paid for itself 20 tough that that account has paid for that book 20 30 times over just that i was book. just gonna say even if no one else in the whole world picked up the book and read it that one contract yeah, made it all know. worthwhile yep yep and there's there's a lot of those we have a lot of those where they just recur every year and help us make sure we can pay make payroll and keep the lights on that you know it just takes years and years to do it and and again this doesn't happen overnight. This is a, this is a tough, tough road, but it's a great life. If you can pull it off, it's a great life. You have a lot of flexibility. You meet people who are generally happy when you see them, unless you're writing a book about restructuring a business, then they're not so happy. But if you're in the leadership or the sales world, you're going to conferences where everybody's on vacation, they're having a great time. And my wife used to say, you don't see mind to mind travel. I said, well, Look where I go, Ireland, Switzerland, Florida, California. You know, I go to nice places. 
So she said, oh, that's why you like this so much, right? So anyway. And paid and whatever you do pay is a tax write-off. It's like, why wouldn't I like this? I, I took her with me once to Las Vegas and I was doing a speech at the Bellagio and the Rolling Stones were practicing next door <laughs> and she heard them. <laughs> She's like, yeah, write, another, write another book. They were literally on the other side of the wall that I was speaking on. They literally were having a rehearsal. So you could hear everything. It was great. And oh, like, wow. So, I mean, I guess you can say that you had to compete with the Rolling Stones. No, I opened for the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Love it. And I just want to dispel one rumor in case anyone is thinking that Dow Chemical deal, I'm assuming they didn't just hear you wrote a book and call you to find out about it, right? You put in some legwork to get it to the right person. Well, it was sent to a person who gave it to the right person from a friend of mine. And then, you know, auditions, right? You fly to Midland, Michigan, which is not necessarily easy to get to. And I did an audition for a very influential group of people. And then that group said, hey, yeah, this could be really good. And then you became part of the national sales meeting process. Then you became part of their new higher learning and development process. Then you become part of their MBA process. And next thing you know, like they're throwing things at you, four or five things that every year, but you know, you have, we call it a give to get Matt, where the, uh, the VPS, the VPS sales enablement, they call it selling excellence and I can, and I connect it. And he said, well, what would you charge for us to review your IP? And I said, well, why would you ask that question? He goes, because everybody else wants, to, wants me to pay them to look at their training manuals. I said, I'll send you my training manual. He said, really? I said, yeah. I said, you know, it's all from my book. I own the book. I own it. And then he said, so, you know, I, I said, I'll tell you what, you pay for my airfare to come to Midland and the hotel. And I will uh, put on a half day workshop for whoever you want in the room. And I know once you see this, I was pretty confident, you're really going to find a way for this to work. We became like one of the main focuses of selling excellence, but I had to take that risk, had to spend those two days. And uh, so we call them give to gets. And if you can, you know, if you give, not always to try to get, but if you come from a place of abundance, it's amazing how it pays you back. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Words to live by that everyone should write down if they haven't. One last question. I want to be respectful of your time. Do you have any other books in the works? I actually have a movie in the works. <laughs> Do you want to hear about it? <laughs> Please. So completely complete departure. You know, a business book has a good 15 or 20 years shelf life. So we're in good shape there, right? We're in good shape there. And I, uh, I grew up in this coal mining town near where you were when we started this conversation and, uh, growing up in the seventies, the locus of the town was the local bookie parlor. They actually had bookie parlors back then when bookmaking was illegal and not online. And uh, we, as kids, we hung out there because they had pinball machines, which nobody has those anymore. Anyway, so the bookie was not much older than us, maybe 10 years older. So he was kind of a younger guy and he was really great with people. He was really great with relationships and he kept us from the bad stuff. He was like a moral compass for us. And, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd walk, his name is Jake, and you'd walk in there and the state police would be in there playing, playing poker, like in their uniforms, like you couldn't make it up. So anyway, long story short, Jake's still alive. And I had this idea of writing a book about Jake. 
and it would be a novel, fictional memoir. My editor said, nope, you're not a fictional writer, write a movie. So we just literally finished the script. It was about four years, and now we're trying to get the movie made. So if you have any friends who want to fund a movie, I'd be happy to talk with them. I'm actually shopping around a, uh, a movie I wrote with a writing partner of mine about Roberto Clemente. Oh, you know, that I was, I was in the Poconos this weekend and sat down next to a guy in the lobby, huge Roberto Clemente fan. I can't believe he just said that. He's talking about Roberto Clemente, how when he was a kid, he'd go watch him play in the 60s. And he was like a seven-tool player, not a five-tool player. He was everything. So, so you wrote a movie about Roberto Clemente. Yeah, very very quickly, I'll give you the high-level overview. Yeah. Someone I met when I was on the board for the YMCA in the Bronx found out I wrote movies, and he mentioned this idea to me that he, for many years, was having dreams about this youth baseball team in Philadelphia because he grew up in Philadelphia and he couldn't figure out what the dream meant. You know, he, he heard Roberto Clemente's voice, you know, you share my numbers bat for me. So he was entering triathlons and trying to match Clemente's lifetime stats. You name it. He was doing it. He finally rented a cargo plane with his own money to fly the exact amount of humanitarian aid that Roberto Clemente was flying when he died in that plane crash. Oh, heaven. And he flew it, I think, on the 20-year anniversary of Clemente's death to Nicaragua. Wow. So we wrote a movie that basically was the intersection of his dream and his reality. And and, and it's finished? The it's finished. We've been trying to shop it around on um, Ink Tip and um, Virtual Pitch Fest. Well, I, wish you, I wish you luck with that. We're, we're trying to do similar things right now. And... Uh, but just the creative process was was what really jazzed me. And to have these characters come to life, you you know, you extend them a bit from what they really were. Creative and, license. Yeah. So I wish you luck with that, Matt. That's awesome. I hope that gets made. I'll, Same I'll, here. I'll, if I find anyone who actually entertains a conversation, I'll pass your information yeah. along. And if you get someone, please do the same. I will. I you know what? We're probably gonna cross paths again on that. I have a funny feeling. Oh, absolutely. This conversation was great. And actually, when the movie comes, when the movie comes out, we'll get you back on the show. Okay. Uh, but for now, I will let you go because I just realized we went a little bit over time, but that's fine. And yeah. please tell everyone where they can find out more about you, your company. If there's yeah. anyone listening who needs sales help, how can they reach out to you? Oh, thank you. Uh, so it's Ed Wallace 007 on LinkedIn. That's the easiest way to get me. I hope you like that call sign. And uh, I remember I said spy books. And it's Achieve Next is the company. What are you looking to achieve next in your performance? And it's AchieveNext.com. That's probably the best way to reach us. So reach out on LinkedIn or find us on our website or send me an email, ed.wallace at AchieveNext.com. Amazing. And for everyone listening, if you didn't catch any of that, um, you can always drop us a line here at the Pen Podcast and we will make sure you get connected directly with Ed. Uh, as always, we appreciate you listening and supporting our guests either by buying their books or inquiring about their services. And we will catch you all in the next episode of the Pen Podcast. Ed, thank you so much for being an amazing guest. You're welcome. Get Matt to help you write your book. Thank you. I did not pay him to say that. <laughs> <laughs>